Hello and welcome to part two of this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, where we discuss the leading pharmacy stories of the year so far. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and joining me on the pod once more are Rob Daracott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News, and Neil Trainus, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist. In part one, before Easter, Rob, Arthur, Neil and I each ranked what we felt were the most important and significant stories in pharmacy from five to two. We agreed on some, disagreed on others, and Neil got himself in a bit of a tiz over the anti-vaxxers. So now let's hear what we chose for our top stories of 2022. So let's do our top stories then, and, and we go round the table. So, Rob, what was your top story? Just name it. Uh, my, my top story is our story from the beginning of March, uh, which um, revealed that senior um, Royal Pharmaceutical Society figures were about to be made redundant. Um, that one, Richard. And didn't that cause quite a kerfuffle? Um, Neil, what was your top story? Well, I went for uh, this kind of developing spat between the CCA and the PDA over whether or not there really is a, a workforce shortage and uh, the PDA coming up with some provocative and possibly valid uh, arguments uh, against. So I went for the CCA-PDA um, spat. OK, thanks, Neil. Arthur, what was your top story? Uh, my top story, we first reported in January that uh, Walgreen Boots Alliance was considering selling off Boots UK. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, a big story for, for, for the industry. And, and it's since been confirmed that, that a sale is in the, the offing. Okay, thanks for that. And my top story was the new pharmacy contract in Wales was my number one. So right, let's let's dig into the weeds on this then. Rob, that RPS story um, with the redundancies. I mean, it started, uh, it was right at the beginning of a couple of very bad weeks for the society, really. So with um, with the benefit of maybe a week or two to think back over the events of the last month, what, what have you made of it all? Well, I, I picked the story, Richard, because obviously it's significant. Uh, it got senior members of the profession quite exercised early on but I, I picked it because it's it was an interesting story how it developed you know we we got a we got a lead uh, we got it confirmed in from several different sources that this was actually the case uh, and then we went public we got criticized for going public the RPS first of all denied it the, a day later they put out a statement saying no decisions had been made uh, it very quickly then transpired, um, you know, within a week or so that the decisions looked like they had been made. And then then we had this bizarre situation in which uh, we had two virtually identical press releases coming out one week after the other, um, saying that certain people had decided to leave the society. Um, thanks very much uh, and good luck with the, in the rest of your career. So I, I think I think it. It's a significant one for us because it's not like we just repeat any old nonsense. You know, we do go to some lengths to, A, to recognise that, that, that if true, the story is quite significant. You know, the two of the two of a small number of pharmacists at the very head of the organisation were going to leave at the same time, two very key big areas of society work. Um, and, you know, question mark about where that, where that took, the, took the professional body. Uh, going forward, it subsequently then turned into a big debate about whether the society had or hadn't abandoned 
its ambitions to become a royal college. And then there was an issue about what's a royal college. Most people in the profession, I think, have... Uh, don't really appreciate the nuances of why that might be seen as relevant and important to the state of the profession going forward. And so it's a story that's going to continue. The, the actual, uh, the two uh, the two individuals have subsequently left the society, um, but there's still a lot to run on this. Um, and I think we're going to still be covering it um, going forward. You know, could be some big debates around the AGM coming up in May, um, they've now created a kind of hybrid role, which there are, again, there's those same senior figures in the sector are just saying, well, that role doesn't make sense. You know, that's too, that's too big a job for anybody. So I, I think um, it may be somewhat academic, given that a lot of our readers are no longer members of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. But a professional leadership body in any profession is important. And I think as many contributors to the original uh, transcom process that established the RPS in its new form uh, 12 years ago commented, you know, having, an, having a professional leadership body is important. And if we have one, it's got to be a good one. And question marks about, you know, what this says about the direction of the organisation and, and how it's being uh, led. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Neil, before you do your top story, you've picked in your number two spot, the, the RPS leaving FIP. Um, and not really telling anyone, and that that also caused quite a stir, didn't it? Oh, it certainly did. Uh, it certainly did, Richard. And and, and just listen, listen to Robin. Uh, you know it, that whole period, uh, the two or so weeks or whatever it was that all these stories were emerging you know, one by one. It was an utter PR disaster for for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. I mean, and, and only did it show them up for being completely untransparent. Um, but they just absolutely useless at, at, at PR. And they, they, they don't know how to handle these kind of big stories. Well, clearly they don't. And we had, uh, with Rob mentioned the, the redundancy story, uh, Robbie Turner and, and Gail Fleming. And, um, you know, uh, we had a, we have a statement shortly after from uh, the RPS saying that they decided to leave. Um, well, they, they hadn't decided to leave. They were, being, they were made redundant. You know, it's just laughable. And then we had, uh, even with the FIP, the decision to leave... Um, uh, the uh, you know into the global body you know we had uh, the president of the R- R- Royal Pharmaceutical Society Claire Anderson you know saying how what, what a great organisation it is it's good value for money actually you know it, it's a what a, what a I'd, I'd join it. it you you won't regret I think her words were you won't regret joining the, the FIP well <laughs> she's complete and utter contradiction to what to the reasoning the rationale behind the RPS's decision to leave because they claimed it, it wasn't good value for money so it's just been an utter it's been a complete and utter they were laughing stock quite frankly, the RPS, and they've handled it absolutely appallingly. And I didn't put, I didn't put Claire Anderson's FIP at number one, simply because, simply because whether this is cynical or not, I don't know how many people actually give a damn about the RPS. And that's my reason I didn't put it at number one. That was the only thing that kept it from being number one. It's a good story, though. Uh, it was a good story, but what about your, your top story then? Um, quite quickly now, Neil, the, the CCA and the PDA spat over patient safety. Yes, I went for the PDA CCA spat. Um, this is uh, something that's erupted over the last few weeks. So <clears throat> this whole thing about workforce shortages, I think the CCA have claimed a crisis. I think uh, I can't remember the figure. They said there's a shortfall of uh, so many thousand pharmacists in the industry. Um, the PDA obviously coming in as strongly as they usually tend to do. They said, that, well, there's a reason that CCA member companies are struggling to employ uh, staff, uh, pharmacists, because CCA's um, poor working conditions, pay, uh, you know, general, you know, all these, and so on, the working conditions. There's a subtext, uh, the subtext running through this um, is that the PDA are clearly 
quite cheesed off at the fact that no CCA member has adopted its Safer Pharmacies Charter since it was launched four or five years ago. I think that still rankles with the PDA. Uh, CCA effectively had told the PDA to you know, butt out of its business. It's none of your business. We'll, we'll handle our own business. Thank you very much. And it, from a journalist's point of view, this is an absolutely cracking story. I found it brilliant. And I have to say, you know, people looking um, in from the outside, uh, bearing in mind that, you know, appearances of everything, pharmacies in year four of the pharma- five-year contractual framework talks PSNC, and it's important that pharmacy has this uh, veneer of, uh, at least on the surface, appears to be a united um, profession, as the old argument goes. But it's full of fractures still, and these fractures are being played out yeah, right before um, uh, the NHS England and the government. And uh, how good is that? Probably not very good at all. Um, but the stories, from a journalist's point of view, what, what a great story. It's no surprise Neil's picked that as number one, is it? I would have put money on that. It's a great story, mind you. Although it is a bit like two bald men fighting over a comb. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, but Neil, you make such a good point about the kind of fractured nature of the pharmacy leadership. It, it, you know, it doesn't look good in front of the people who make the decisions. That's for sure. Um, and, again, we've said many times, patient safety, working conditions, all those type of things are are, are everybody's issue. We all really should be doing more to work together. I think our represent, representative bodies on that. Um, okay, room for progress then. Now, Arthur, you went for the saga of the, well, the impending boot sale. I guess we're all assuming it's it's going to happen. Um, this, is, this has been going on for quite a while now, hasn't it? It has, yes. Um, WBA first divested the wholesaling arm at uh, Alliance Healthcare last year, sort of prompting speculation that that a sale of Boots UK might be in the offing. Um, then it was first first reported in in January this year that that, that that perhaps WA was considered, and then it confirmed that um, that yes, it's it's taken a strategic. I, for, I forget exactly what the term was. Some kind of strategic divestment where it's focusing more on its US operations and um, and casting boots off. Um, so there's been lots of sort of twists and turns to to, to this story. Sort of different uh, different potential buyers entering the picture and then leaving the picture at one point the front runner was a consortium made up of cvc capital and bain capital and the reason they were the front runner was um chiefly that uh, cvc capital's dominic murphy has a lengthy history with boots and sits on the wba board uh but it was revealed this week that um wba has put a seven billion price tag on on the multiple it was revealed this week that the that, that that consortium wasn't willing to go over four billion pounds um sort of casting a bit of perhaps doubt and concern on the on on the wholesale there are still people in 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 the running there are people still with still with their hats in the ring um perhaps most um prominent among them is um our asda's owners tdr capital and 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 the isa brothers and um, also some 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 u.s private equity firms but um uh i suppose those headlines this week won't have been um uh, nice for 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 WBA to, to to read. Um, they kind of will want to 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 get a, get a good good price for the multiple, and and also to for whoever buys it to kind of have have confidence in in the in the company and 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 um and and what and what they're buying. So for someone who is who is kind of, kind of close to the, to the boot operation, um to 
I, I suppose in WBA's view, undervalue it by but by, by almost half the the asking price won't won't have been welcome news. Um, but I think I think just you know Booters, uh, it's still the biggest brand in, in in the business it's the biggest community pharmacy business in, in the uk and uh, i mean a, a, a story a story like this is is significant uh, again for, for for the whole industry because i mean you see things happening in boots like they've sort of they've had to cut back opening hours um you would you would assume due due to cost and uh, and that's something that sort of been seen across, across the industry as well in in, in recent months with with it more moreover kind of staffing issues than costs but 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 still kind of i think what happens in in at the big guys is often sort of replicated across, across the industry which is why sort of people look to these stories yeah thanks Arthur. it's one of one of these stories that that really attracts national press attention doesn't it we're reading about it in the business pages and on, on um on television news as as well as in the, the trade press at time of you know uncertainty for for the employees at Boots as well, and we shouldn't forget that. But when, like you say, Arthur, that the pharmacy's biggest multiple biggest multiple in UK pharmacy, um, it certainly attracts the attention, doesn't it? And we'll see where that goes over the coming weeks. So, um, well, me to finish last but not least, the new contract in Wales. Now, this to me uh, represented perhaps. The final break with the old contract that's negotiated since the start of time, or the NHS, uh, by the SNC between between England and Wales, because this is now completely different. Wales is, I'd say, charting a, a completely separate path. And this is a very ambitious programme. Um, and it's a bold aim. They want to transform community pharmacy in Wales over the, the next few years. And this has been hailed as the most fundamental change to pharmacy service, pharmacy services in the principality in in 70 years of the NHS. So, um, I mean, you could read about it. We reported on it in, in, in some detail. In fact, it's a really good longer piece that Rob put together in, in a recent issue of P3, and I'd urge you to, to check that out. But in summary, this was an agreement struck between the Welsh Government, the NHS and Community Pharmacy Wales. Um, it's a, a three-year agreement starting this year. And Four themes, I suppose. Um, expanding pharmacists' clinical role. It's looking at skills development. Um, a big emphasis on, on quality and, like in England and elsewhere, um, looking very closely at, at integrated pharmacy within primary care and above and underpinning all of this, um, obtaining value for money as well. And, and central to this, of course, is the new universally delivered clinical service, which consists of four elements, uh, common ailments, emergency contraception, emergency medicine supply, and, and seasonal flu jobs. And it's all packaged up in a single national clinical community pharmacy service. There's that word clinical again. And, and pharmacies will have to agree to provide all components, I believe, of this service. And there's going to be a universal minimum level of service, uh, which could be expanding in the future. So um, really, really good stuff, actually. This is the result, I think, of some some proper collaborative working in Wales over a, over a period of time. And it's it's an approach, I think, that leaves community pharmacy in Wales in a very good place going forward. And, and one thing's for certain, 
um, pharmacists and contractors and pharmacy teams in England will be looking at events over the Seven Bridge with a great deal of interest in the coming months and years. Can't disagree with any of that. Good pick. So there we are, our top pharmacy stories of the year so far. Do you agree or disagree? Let us know. Get in touch. All our contact details are in our magazines or online. The Talking Pharmacy podcast will be back again next week, so join us then. But for now, thanks very much for listening.